This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. How to Grow in Christ-like Maturity We see in Colossians chapter 2 that the important word is there in verse 28 where Paul is saying that he wants to present everybody to be mature. This is Colossians 1.28 where he says that our goal is to present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That's my job description as well. That I am here to equip the saints for the work of ministry as a pastor, teacher, and to see you and myself grow in full maturity. The word maturity means to be complete. It means to be uh, resembling and reflecting Christ. And that is our job description according to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. When I was but a new Christian, I did not go to church because my parents did not bring me to church. All I had was a living Bible paraphrased by Kenneth Taylor. And I read through that Bible over and over again, marking the chapter when I first read it, then marking it again when I read it again, these little boxes, and I was being discipled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was growing me. And when I came to Romans 8.29, that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ, I realized that's the focus. That's the goal. That's the um, operating procedure, the, uh, the ultimate, to be conformed to the image of Christ. So, today's message is, how do we grow in Christ-likeness? Four ways. Number one is to understand the mystery of God. Number two is to discipline yourself to have a firm faith. Number three is to claim what Christ has done for you. And number four is don't let anyone shake your standing. These are four ways from Colossians chapter 124 to the end of Colossians 2 as to how to have Christ-like maturity. So first of all, Understand the mystery of God. If you look at Colossians 2 carefully, you see the repetition of the word mystery in verse 26, verse 27, and also in verse 2 of chapter 2. So let's look at this. What is the mystery? 
It says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, here it is, drum roll please, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you might have seen that I said, understand the mystery of God, CIU. What does CIU stand for? Christ in you. So you need to understand the mystery that has been revealed from ages past since Christ has come. This mystery has been disclosed, it has been made known, and that mystery is Jesus Christ indwelling into our being by the very essence of his Holy Spirit. That's the mystery that's been made known. And that truth is the hope of glory. It's the foretaste of heaven itself. We have heaven in our hearts. We have Christ in our hearts. Jesus indwells us by his Holy Spirit. We are saved, we are indwelt by the Spirit, and praise God, he's changing us from the inside out. He is growing us from the inside out. He's maturing us from the inside out. Chapter 2, verse 2, my goal, says Paul, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely... Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Therefore, if you have Christ in your heart, in your life, what do you have? You have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, why is this important for Paul to write to the Christians at Colossae? And also to have this letter sent to Laodicea, which is not too far down the road, according to chapter 2, verse 1. The reason this is important for Paul to say is because there's a heresy afoot. There's a false teaching that is infiltrating the church, and it's called Gnosticism. What is Gnosticism? It's from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know. The Gnostics were people who were teaching that unless you have the true knowledge, you're really not acceptable to God. You really are not going to go very far spiritually because you don't know what we know. Do you see that? It's an exclusivity. It's a kind of club. Us for no more, lock the door. And uh, it makes you all the more want to clamor in and be part of that club. What am I missing? What do I not know? What, is the, what are the secrets of the universe? I want to understand them. And Paul says, calm down. Don't feel inferior. Don't feel inadequate. Let me tell you the truth. You have Jesus. And in Jesus... You have all the wisdom and all the knowledge you'll ever need. 
That's important. Because the way false teachers work is they make you feel like you lack. And then they make you feel like they've got the inside scoop, the corner on the truth. And if they can move you from your sense of lack to what they have, then they've got you. And they can lead you down the primrose path towards self-destruction. Paul is guarding against that. So, we have, first of all, understand the mystery of God. My question in application to you today is, do you have Jesus in your heart? Is he in your life? So first of all, unless you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are in the dark. You do lack salvation. And coming to Him is no secret. It's well known. God has an equal and wonderful opportunity for people to trust in Him and be saved. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. All may come to Him. You can trust in Christ. Have your sins forgiven. Have Christ indwell you by His Holy Spirit and fill you with all wisdom and knowledge. That is the application. Be sure you're a Christian. Be sure you know the Lord. Now the next point is this. Discipline yourself to have a firm faith. If you're going to grow in maturity in Christ, you need to discipline yourself. Now where do I get that? Look at verse 5. It says, I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. What are the two things that Paul, who's never been to Colossae, says by essence of being there in spirit and learning from Epaphras about them, what does he commend the Christians at Colossae for? Their discipline and the firmness of their faith. We are to grow in the Lord, so that no one may deceive us. Look at verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. And he goes on to say, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The emphasis here is stand strong in your faith. And the way you stand strong in your faith is have a deep-rooted faith. And the way to have a deep-rooted faith is to continue to live in the Lord, and to have an attitude of thankfulness, always thanking God for the truth of what Christ has done for you on the cross and all that he means to you. Discipline. Why is it a discipline? Because 
If you do not constantly challenge lies with the truth, the lies will win. If you do not confront the counterfeit with the reality, the counterfeit will fool you, deceive you. How, do you, how can you tell a counterfeit dollar from a real dollar? You've got to know what a real dollar looks like. You've got to study it carefully. So how can you stand strong against cults and the occult? Know the Bible. Know the truth. Be grounded in doctrine, in orthodoxy. It goes on to say, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So we have bookends here. On the one hand, don't be deceived. On the other hand, don't be taken captive. And what's in the middle? You disciplining yourself by spending time in the Word and prayer and good teaching so that you're deeply rooted and no one can deceive you and no one can take you captive. Does that make sense? By the way, when I teach people, I say you must know the source from which you are deriving your teaching. And I often recommend that if you have a question, go to gotquestions.org. Why would I recommend that on the internet? Because I know that the answers there are very solid. So go to gotquestions.org, type in a question about your faith, and it will not only give you an answer in one page, but it will also give you relevant follow-up questions and resources of books that you could read on that topic. So question the source from which you draw. Otherwise, you may be getting an answer that is spun with all sorts of lies and heresies. Know the source. The next one uh, is claim what Christ has done for you. And with this section, I want to um, use the word claim in a good way. We've heard from uh, the name and claim it group, uh, just uh, say it until it happens. And that's not right. Just because you make an affirmation um, of anything, I want to be wealthy, I am wealthy, doesn't mean it's going to happen. What we're talking about is standing on the promises of God, standing on the truth, declaring out loud the truth of God's word. So when you say an affirmation that's based completely out of Scripture, that is what God's going to honor. Not your fanciful thinking, not uh, uh, visions of grandeur, the truth, God's word. 
So here we have in verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So Paul, in addressing and counteracting the lies of Gnosticism, is saying, don't let anyone make you feel inferior because you are complete in Christ. Now just stop and think about that for a moment. If I have everything I need, and I am all that God wants, then I stand secure in Him. I have a blessed assurance. And it's not because of what I've done, it's because of what Christ has done for me. It's because of who Christ is. He is God. He's the fullness of God. He has all authority and all power And if he says, I'm complete in him and he has completed me, then guess what? I am complete. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Can you just say with me right now, I am complete in Christ. Let's say that. I am complete in Christ. If you said that and you really believe that, then when somebody comes to say, Are you really complete in Christ? Do you really have the truth? Do you really know the secrets of true knowledge? You can say, I am complete in Christ. No, thank you. Secondly, we can affirm and say out loud, my sinful nature has been dethroned. Now this is beautiful. In verse 11 it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh, which is the sinful nature, also mentioned in verse 13, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So in other words, God has done a supernatural surgery where he has dethroned The sinful nature, instead of the sinful nature saying jump and you saying how high, the sinful nature says to you jump and you say I don't have to. Because you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, the new has come. Let's just say out loud right now, my sinful nature has been dethroned. Let's say it together. My sinful nature has been dethroned. Now, if you said that over and over again, and you really believed it, when your sinful nature comes in tempting you, the old ways want you to go that way, you can say, you've been dethroned. I don't need to listen to you. I don't have to follow you. I don't have to obey you. I'm under new management. My boss the carpenter from Galilee, Jesus Christ. Next we can say, I have died to sin and I am alive to God. Verse 12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. I love the picture of baptism. Here you have baptism by immersion. You're in the water. This is you. This is the water. And when you are placed down, it's symbolic of you being buried with Christ. When you are raised up, it's symbolic of you being raised with Christ. 
You have died to sin. You're no longer responsive or a slave to sin. You are alive, responsive, and aware of Christ and God and wanting to live for Christ and God and empowered to do so. You are a new creation in Christ. You've been baptized in the Lord. Let's say out loud this affirmation. I have died to sin and I am alive to God. Let's say that again. I have died to sin and I am alive to God. Again, to die is to be non-responsive. I do not have to respond to the pull of sin. Before, when I didn't know Christ, I was a slave to sin. I was addicted to sin. I've been set free. I've been raised. And the mighty resurrection power of the Holy Spirit is working in me. And we can affirm, I am spiritually alive with Christ. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins, that is, dead to God, unresponsive to God, when you were dead in in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh with the sinful nature on the throne, God made you alive with Christ. So while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our flesh, God made us alive with Christ. Is that not the grace of God? Were we going in the right direction? No. Did God reach down and take the initiative and turn us around? Yes. Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. None of us can boast. We've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. God gets the glory. And we are spiritually alive, spiritually responsive to the Lord with Christ. Everything that's true of Christ is true of us. We've died with him. We've been raised with him. We've ascended with him. We're seated at the right hand of the Father with him. Isn't that beautiful? Let's say out loud, I am spiritually alive with Christ. Together, I am spiritually alive with Christ. That's true. What would happen if you said that and really believed it based on the truth of Scripture? It would change your life. You'd walk around saying, Whoa, I'm spiritually alive. I'm spiritually aware. I'm spiritually connected. I'm spiritually in touch. I am spiritually empowered by God. I'm a new creation in Christ. Watch out, world! And then next, my sins are nailed to the cross. I am forgiven and condemnation-free. It says, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, here's a discipline I do now, is that I take a chapter from the Bible. I lay it out on a page in my computer, and I underline or highlight or whatever phrases that repeat the same thing. Do you see those? Do you see where it says, 
He forgave us of our sins. That's pretty great. Wait, he canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Wow, that's even fantastic. Which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away. He's nailed it to the cross. How many times can Paul say in different ways, you're forgiven and you're condemnation free? Let's say the two sentences there, my, sen- my sins are nailed to the cross. Say that again. My sins are nailed to the cross. Say, I am forgiven and condemnation free. Together, I am forgiven and condemnation free. Some of you really need to believe this. You need to stand on the truth of Scripture and know that that sin that you committed that is just eating your lunch You've been forgiven. You've been washed clean. Jesus died on the cross for that sin and all your sins. Are there any sins that are on your account that are going to send you to hell? The answer is no. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. We're going to be doing communion here. We're going to be acknowledging the work of Christ on the cross. And the work of Christ is complete. It is an accomplished fact. We are saved completely to the uttermost through Jesus Christ. And my enemies have been defeated. I have victory through the cross. It says in Colossians 2.15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Praise God that Jesus has won the victory. And we're just part of the mopping up, cleanup process. We have a defeated foe, the devil and his demons, We read in Revelation 20, verse 10, that the devil will be thrown in the pit. And so we know that we are crushing Satan under our feet through Christ because Jesus won the victory. I was at a prayer summit this past, this earlier this week. I was talking to Pastor Tom Mount, and uh, we were talking about Holy Saturday. You know Good Friday when Jesus died on the cross. You know Easter when Jesus rose from the dead. But you know a lot of people don't know the significance of Holy Saturday when Jesus was in the tomb. What was he doing during that time? He descended to hell and he marched the devil and his demons through an arch of triumph. Whenever a general beat a army of the enemy, they would make an arch of triumph and they would march them through to show that they were defeated. Jesus did that. He has total victory. He has all authority. He has all power. Let's say this out loud. My enemies have been defeated. I have victory through the cross. Is that true? It's right there. It's in the Bible. God said it. 
I believe it. That settles it. These are affirmations based on truth that you can make. Now, if you've been really working hard taking notes, I want you to know every one of these slides will be given to you at the end. So when you shake my hand on the way out, make sure you get one of these because I really want you to say these affirmations based on the truth of Scripture over and over again until you believe them, until they change your life, until you start thinking biblically. And when you do that, when you appreciate Christ for all he's done for you, you will grow in maturity as you gaze on his beautiful face. The Shekinah glory of the Lord will shine through your countenance. You'll have a sparkle in your eye and a spring in your step because Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Okay? Then the last point. Don't let anyone shake your standing. You're standing in Christ. You're standing on the Word of God. You're standing in the Christian faith. And guess what? The devil's not happy. He wants to mislead you. He can use a cult. He could use the occult. He could use all sorts of worldly philosophies. He could use all sorts of distractions to try to get you to the point where you're distracted and derailed. But he can never get you unsaved. He can distract you. He could derail you. He could commandeer you. But he can never own you because you belong to Jesus. You've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. You belong to him. But watch out, because there are people out there who want to judge you. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.